Yeah, baby. That's how we do it. Got to get pumped up. That's right. What is going on? It's your boy, Preston Downey. That's right, a.k.a. Fat Samurai Guy. And I'm surrounded by legends. That's right, martial arts royalty and more. Yes, uh, you may know me, that's right, from co-hosting this year's Kung Fu Superhero Extravaganza panel at San Diego Comic-Con. I had a blast there representing martial arts and action movies, hanging out with Rick Myers, Frank Jang, Tulam, and Peter Pham. And you may know me on YouTube as well, because that's what this channel is all about, is celebrating martial arts and action cinema and getting spreading the word, getting it out there, uh, because we love it so much. But what I'm going to do here, since I'm surrounded by martial arts royalty today, we're going to do it, because it's not about me today. It's not about me, all right? <laughs> it's about the two grandmasters that we have here on the channel. It's a huge honor to have them here. So we're going to do introductions, and we're going to go around the circle here and uh, introduce my co-host mm -hmm. as well. So first up, we're going to talk to, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody watching live. Sijo, welcome to the channel. Sijo Mohammed. My name is Sijo. Well, my name is Steve Mohammed. I use the title of Sijo, uh, which means founder or creator. And I am so honored to be on the show today. And I know that we're going to have a good time. So thank you, my brothers. Yes, yes. And here he is. The Bishop, welcome to the channel. Blessings, blessings, blessings. It's a blessing to be a part of what you're doing here today. And I thank God for it. And Muhammad, it's just good to see you, brother, man. You're looking awful good. You look almost as young as me, man. And I'm pretty oh, young there. That's All righty, but hey, thank you for the privilege of being on your show today. Hey, it's an honor for you to be here on my channel, sir. It's an honor. And we have... Uh, there's another samurai in the mist. <laughs> That's right. My samurai brother in arms. David, welcome. Hey, guys. Uh, half Viking, half samurai. I'm a YouTuber, of course, going by Viking Samurai. Uh, also a lifetime martial artist, bodybuilder, and now a movie actor, uh, which is really cool. So, yeah, I'm honored to be on this panel with these martial arts legends. This is great. Yes. Thank you uh, again for being here, David. And me and David go way back. David's been on been on my channel several times talking Van Damme and all that stuff. That's what it's all about. It's having fun talking movies. And from the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast, you guys have got to follow this podcast and listen in. Because this is one of the greatest Kung Fu martial arts action podcasts of all time. And uh, this man is not paying me to say that. I just love it. <laughs> Jeff, welcome to the channel, brother. I feel out of place here. I'm the only one that's not a samurai, apparently. But uh, thank you for having me. Um, Jeff Vita, Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Uh, it's an, an honor to be with you, Bishop and uh, C. Joe, and uh, as well as uh, with my fellow co-hosts here and uh, Demetrius. Again, thank you for putting this all together. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. And now I want you all to take, take a look at the physique, baby. Take a look at the physique. That's right. Martial artist. He's done it all. Filmmaker. And take a look at those lovely, wonderful, amazing jackets. That could, you only could get those at the Urban Action Showcase Experience. That's right. I got to blow up the man right here. The man that made this channel happen, made this episode happen on the channel. Demetrius, welcome back, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, greetings to everyone. Thank you for everyone. Uh, it's an honor to have you all here. Thank you for partnering with the Urban Action Showcase and Expo this year. Uh, at, in, at the end of the, of the day, we're here to celebrate diversity and the multicultural achievements within the martial arts and action genre. Uh, we're so grateful to be celebrating 
uh, Enter the Dragon uh, 50th anniversary. And we're here to, to get a different perspective. Uh, we're, we're here to get the BKF perspective on Enter the Dragon. And we're so, so honored to have these icons uh, with us today, C. Joe, Steve, Muhammad. And as you know, Bruce Lee uh, coined him one of the fastest hands in karate. And of course, Bishop Donnie Williams. Um, we're going to be live at AMC Theaters in Times Square uh, Saturday, November 11th. These gentlemen will be here with us. Uh, you can meet them face to face. You can get autographs and photo ops and, and so forth. Uh, meet these icons while you can. Uh, these are the not only the stepping stones, but the blocks in which we all stand uh, as martial artists and as uh, martial arts entertainers. Because um, 1973, Into the Dragon, that was a big deal. That was the first uh, martial arts uh, movie to ever be produced by a major studio, Warner Brothers. And to have such diversity, uh, Bruce Lee and, of course, Jim Kelly and, and John Saxon, uh, you know, it, it was an incredible, incredible feat. And we're just grateful that these gentlemen are here to tell their story uh, because, you know, history has his story. But now we're going to hear uh, their story straight from them. I like that. I like that. Very well said. Thank you so much, Demetrius. And uh, before we get started here, hold on one second here. We have uh, uh, a, a plethora of awesome people watching right now. Thank you so much for everybody tuning in. That's right. We have some uh, tons of fans here. Look at the, this person's in shock of the awesomeness <laughs> that we have here. As he should be. Yes. There you go. Caught, uh, caught him live. Finally. There we go. You have Jet Tiger saying hello, everyone. Yes. And uh, there we go. Legends. There we go. We got one representing right here. The Black Karate Federation, baby. Yeah, that's right. And uh, thank you, Sandra. I work hard on my intros. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. But yeah, let's uh, let's uh, start the ruckus here, and uh, I have a few questions. First up, we'll start with C. Joe. Uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of when. Uh, what, what about the martial arts? Uh, what drew you to taking martial arts? Well, um, when I was about, uh, I think I was about thirteen years old. And I went looking for a job, and I couldn't hardly find one all, all day long after looking. And I finally got to this Chinese restaurant. I went inside and I asked them if they had any work for me. They asked me what I could do. I told them I could wash dishes, I could sweep the floor or mop the floor. Well, they said, we'll give, give you a try. And I remember one day I was coming to work and I came a little early. And I saw them doing something uh, that he told me was Chinese exercise, which was Tai Chi. And uh, I did that with them for about five years, but I didn't know that it was actually, well, I had never heard of the word karate or any type of martial arts, so I didn't know. So I thought it was just Chinese exercise. When I went into the Marine Corps, they sent me to Okinawa and uh, the Marine Corps had some people to come over to teach us. The first time I heard the word karate, but it was called Gojuru, to teach us go, some Gojuru for hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I was noticed the guy that came out, he was doing kicks and punches. And I said, 
whoa, I didn't know something like that. I've seen that before. So when he finished, I went over to him and uh, asked him what was he doing? And he was telling me it was a form of play called Goju. I said, I've seen that before. And I said, let me show you what I, what I, what I learned. And I started doing it. And as soon as I started doing it, he says, oh, and I said, no, 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 no. This is Chinese exercise. Like I really knew what it was. <laughs> you know? And so that was my first introduction to martial arts. It was a, uh, I guess it would be called uh, 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 Goju and also uh, Tai Chi. But Tai Chi was my first introduction. After that, it was Parker. Wow, wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Bishop Williams, yes, uh, how, how, how did you get into martial arts? Well, I got involved in the martial arts a little bit different. Uh, being raised up in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, having issues with white and black in the time. Uh, <clears throat> I came to California when I was 12 years old. And my first introduction to California was getting beat up. And I declared that I will train martial arts and never let a white man beat me again. That was my reason. I wanted to make sure every person that was non-black would never ever physically do me harm. Well, military brought it up. I trained a little bit before the military for about, <clears throat> about four months. And in the four months, I thought I was uh, Bruce Leroy or somebody. I thought I knew everything about martial arts that you need to know. And I got jumped and beat up again and went in the military. And naturally that, you know, sort of like uh, caliport me into martial arts seriously. And so that's my, my reason for coming involved was my anger and my hate for white people. Copy that. Copy that. Which is, Interesting, because that changes later over the course of the years. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I didn't do it. God did it. There you go. Copy yeah, that. I, I, I changed for those that don't know me. Yes, my life changed after a period of time. And that anger uh, turned into understanding, and that understanding turned into love. Love that. Love that. Very well said. Very well said. But uh, we're not just here to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Enter the Dragon. And we're going to get to the end of the Dragon Talk uh, a little bit later and how important that movie is to a lot of us. Um, but over 50 years of excellence from the Black Karate Federation as well, we are celebrating. So I have yeah. to ask, and uh, you know, everybody here that's watching live that is not aware, we'll, we'll start with uh, uh, C. Joe Muhammad. How did uh, the BKF come about, my friend? Well, I was taking uh, uh, the martial science with uh, Chet Sullivan, which is one of my teachers. And uh, these three guys came in, black guys, and I was the only black guy in uh, 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 IKKA at the time. But these three black guys came in, and Chuck came back to the back where I was getting ready to change clothes. Said, There's some black guys out there. They want to see you. So I go out there and they told me that um, they were there because they wanted to form a federation because they've heard about how uh, blacks are getting cheated uh, when they're right. fighting. Right. Uh, so I went out 
talk with him. And they said, we have a meeting because we see if we can form some type of uh, unity to be able to, when they cheat us, we would have someone with a voice that could speak for us. Yes. So I, uh, I went out and spoke with him. And I would say after speaking with him for about three months or four months, uh, we decided that we would have a, we would form that federation. And within that federation was Bishop William. Uh, um, help me out, Bishop. <laughs> Ron Chappelle, uh, 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 Ron Chappelle, uh, uh, Smith, Jerry Smith, uh, Cliff Stewart, and myself and Mohammed. Right. Wow, wow. And it uh, did it kind of kick off a little bit too with your match with uh, Joe Lewis at first? Because I was reading up that that's, you know, when you faced off with Joe Lewis, the audience, you know, they saw that you won. And even Joe Lewis admitted that you won, you beat him, but yet they still gave it to him. And that was, it was, that was one of the factors that went into creating uh, BKF, correct? No, that, that was later. That was when later. We formed, when we formed the BKF, uh, I, I think I was still fighting because they didn't have yeah. international grand champion at that time. Gotcha until later on when I was fighting. But I did fight him after uh, once where they allowed the lightweights to fight the heavyweights. And at that time I did beat him and they did cheat me, but they were cheating me long before that. Gotcha. It started early. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it started early. Um, but yeah, you also faced off, <clears throat> excuse me, you faced off a couple of times against Chuck Norris, I see. How was it fighting Chuck? Like fighting a silverback gorilla. <laughs> he, copy, he, copy that. <laughs> I was when I, when I fought Chuck. I was still new uh, right. as a black belt, and I had not gone up against anyone that can put that kind of pressure on you when you fight. We were all kind of equal, but he was ahead of me as far as fighting. And also ahead of me as far as uh, being in the martial science longer than I had. And it was something to fight someone that could put that kind of pressure. And from that, I always had respect for him. And he was always, when even when I was being cheated, he was one of the person that was yelling, give that man his point. Give him his point. And he kept yelling that the whole time. This is, this is before the BKF was actually formed. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, Chad, uh, we got Chad over here. They're, they're loving what they're seeing right now. Best panel of the year, easy. Look at that. <laughs> they are enjoying themselves. Thank you so much, T-Virus. And uh, yeah, thanks again for everybody watching. They are enjoying themselves. But this, we got a little shot of the school right there. There it is. Yes. There it is. But bring let's... Back such memories back in the day when we was uh, training that, that picture you just showed. And, but I was around when Mohammed was fighting too. And let me tell you something, Chuck Norris is an awesome fighter, but Mohammed is really, really good. I want you to know that. Chuck is good, but Mohammed is good. I was there with Joe Lewis when they fought for the car and uh, at, at Lincoln. And so, I mean, I was around all this time. So I, I know that he had to speak for a group of people that had no voice. 
and that was that's why he was elected as the head, the president, the man in charge, uh, and founder, because uh, he spoke he spoke out for a lot of people who was didn't have karate schools, but they trained in the backyard. They trained with their neighbors, and so they wanted to compete, but you had to be at an organization to compete. Either Kempo, Taekwondo, Hapkido, uh, just all you had to be in an organization. So Muhammad began to speak for them, including myself. So I thank God for him on that. Right, and plus it was uh, it was important for for you all to form the BKF because again, you know, uh, they had the, the Japanese had their organization, Chinese had their own organization. So we needed something to represent, uh, you know. Yes, uh, let me let me make a comment on that too. Sure. Um, you see, when, when the BKF started, everybody thought we was a militant group. They didn't see us as a organization. They connected us with the Black Panthers. They connected us with all the gangs. Uh, and remember, Muhammad was a, a, a cop. And, and so I was in security at that time, but he was yeah. a cop. They saw us as gangsters. They didn't see us as an organization. You can have the Japanese karate association, but you couldn't have the Black Karate Federation. That's right. a limited group. So God opened that door for us to represent ourselves in a manner that we was respected and loved by all of the organization. There you go. Copy that. That's right. And that's very, it's very important. And I was reading up a little bit on, um, you know, uh, other well-known martial arts champions such as, uh, you know, Joe Lewis, Cecil People, Benny Urquidez, they would train uh, with you, uh, you know, at, at your organization to prepare for upcoming tournaments. I mean, how cool and awesome is that? That means you guys are legit. That means you yes. guys are past legit, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, but were there any other influential martial art legends that trained at your school? <laughs> Many actors. Uh, Muhammad might be able to help on that because they was there for him. And, uh, and I just, you know, held on to his coattail. And, uh, but uh, we had a lot of, uh, Joe Lewis came down to the school. Uh, right. uh, he didn't come to train under us or nothing. He would come down and train with us. Um, right. Quite a, quite a few of the, the name martial artists, they all come by and be a part of what we were doing. So, but the names, Muhammad can basically tell, tell you more than I can. Right. See, Joe, Muhammad. Uh, did you do you remember any other big influential names in the martial arts uh, that came to train with you guys, like Joe Lewis, Benny, Benny Urquidez? Was there anyone else? Any other names you remember coming down to train with you? I can't uh, pull up names at the moment, but there were other people that came down. Uh, ah. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even I'm having trouble trying to memorize uh, yeah. certain people, I'm, you know. Uh, but yes, we've had plenty of them. If, if, if you, if, in fact, if you put a, a hit out on the, on the internet and I ask, is there anyone out there who trained with us that wasn't a part of the BKF? I guarantee you, you get a lot of names. Oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. But that's just that you know that's they come train with you. Uh, you know your organization. That's just uh, just that's huge respect. That means yeah, you guys are legit, and you know you guys have earned it. You know, that's right. That's right. Here we go. More love for the BKF down here. There you go. Thank you for the interview. Everyone's enjoying themselves watching right now. Um, uh, my next question is, uh, again, 
you know, reading up on the organization, um, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just amazing that the BKF was a, a positive influence for the youth in the community. Uh, I was reading up on that. I mean, that's really awesome that the BKF was there to help the youth find a better path. But did you both pre ever predict that the BKF would also spawn leaders in the fields of law enforcement, medicine, motion pictures, and sports? Did you, did you, when you first started and formed the organization, did you, did you ever expect it to explode and uh, create so many leaders and champions? Did you ever see, did you see that coming? No, I would say that we did. I did not see it coming. I only thought that when we started the BKF, that only young people, five and six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 years old were coming at that time. So uh, we were getting prepared to actually train small children. And we did that for a while until uh, adults start. Once the adults start coming, then things start to change where uh, we had a, a, a federation that was growing in such a way where we now had adults there to be able to help us and to this is training. But I found that it was one of the most enjoyable times I had in my life was training children and how much children actually fall in love with you and how much you actually fall in love with your children. There were children in uh, in my school, one of them one day called me, he says, can I call you Papa? <laughs> and I said, well, you have to ask your mom if you can do that. You know, he went and asked her and she came back and she said, my son asked me if he could call you Papa because he had no father. And many of them had no fathers. It was just the mother. And right. so, I said, yes. And wow. I remember coming into the school and some of the parents had talked to their children. And when I came into the door, uh, they didn't call me Steve like they usually, they just yelled out, Papa. <laughs> I, I said, um, I'm, in, I'm in trouble because you fall in love with the children. Yeah. And I had a whole group of them there. And Bishop William can detest, he sent a group up over to my school too. Sammy Pates, and I think it was Pee Wee and J Lo. How many did you send over there, Bishop? Uh, yeah, about, I think it was about like 12, all together about 12 guys, and they called him Papa. They called me <laughs> Mr. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's awesome. That's wonderful. But, but it's speak. But oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Bishop. To also share, not only did we have name entertainers, stars, and comedians, and actors that was part of uh, the BKF. We also, the BKF, remember, I don't know if you know this, but championships, we have four world champions in the BKF. Man. And we, and I think we won, how many times did our team win the, the team competition at the internationals? Up until about, uh, you, you said team competition or just? Yes, sir. Uh, I think, the team that we were on? Yes, sir. I think we held it for about eight years, eight to nine years. We held yes, national champion teams. And and see, and the big thing is, even though we were, we had a lot of champions in our organization and we had a team, 
people like uh, 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 Chuck, Mr. Parker, uh, uh, Santa, uh, uh, quite a few, Byung Yu, believe it or not, Byung Yu was my teacher for a year prior to coming to Muhammad. Um, so, but th these, these individuals that was a part of our world helped us to become what we are today. Yes. And, and I want to really give a shout out to people because I remember we went to San Francisco and I didn't have a place to stay. And Chuck Norris allowed me to sleep in his uh, room because I didn't have a place to stay for the next day for the tournament. And so, you know, it's a, it's a lot committed to us in the art by people who have helped us and yeah. they were not a part of us. And so, yes, to answer your question direct, we have had quite a bit of champions. I had no idea Steve Muhammad would be even recognized by a, um, a Bruce Lee. I had no idea when we uh, did Enter the Dragon that that scene would catapult us to the position that we're in today. Uh, yes. You know, I, I've been blessed. And, and, so, and so to answer your question directly, no, I had no idea that we would be where we're at today. Copy that, copy that. But it's a good thing, you know. Yes, sir. And again, like, shout out to everyone that worked with you and helped everyone grow together. Yes, you know? sir. And uh, we're going to get to that iconic end of the dragon scene in a second here. But uh, since this is a movie channel as well, we celebrate movies. Uh, hold on one second here. Let's see here. Uh I like to highlight uh, three of your students here. Hold on one second. Just get we're giving out. It's the it's the it's the episode of the shout outs. We're gonna give yes, some sir. more shout outs here. But yeah, here's some more of your students here. Uh, you know, yeah, you had Cynthia Prouder. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. She was involved with Million Dollar Baby, and everybody yep. know everybody knows this this man right here, the great great Scott Carl that's, Scott. That's, that's little Steve Muhammad right there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Kung Fu Executioner, Sun Dragon. Everybody knows this man. And of course, a comedian and actor. He was in the Mac. Uh, what's happening now? Uh, you know, rest in power, uh, Stu Gilliam. Yes. And uh, uh, C. Joe uh, Mohammed, uh, Stu was your old, the, your oldest member that became a black belt, correct? That's right. And even he called me Papa. He was old. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's great! But how cool is that? See, you guys, you know, sometimes I, sometimes I'm just like, man, you know, samurai guy. I need to, man. Am I too old to go back to to my to my martial arts training? Sometimes I think about that, and then I see stuff like this. And you're never too old, everybody watching right now. You're never too old to get back into it and train and learn and grow as a martial artist and as a human being, becoming a better human being, which is what the BKF. Is all about becoming your better selves. Uh, but back to uh, the, the movie pictures. I got to go to you, Bishop. You know, I got to. You know, I got to go to you here. Uh, how was it facing off against Bruce Lai? I, I didn't know anything about acting at that time, and, and, and he actually helped. So, <laughs> oh, copy that. How cool is that? You had a fight scene with him. Um, yes. Did he get a chance to interact with uh, Jackie Chan and? And, yeah, uh, we did two. We did two projects with him. Yes, we did. How was it working with Jackie? Jackie is quite a gymnast. He's quite a martial artist, and an excellent, excellent 
uh, choreographer, fight choreographer. Nice. Um, and we did uh, 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 the movie with him um, with uh, on roller skates. Uh, yeah, Battle Creek Brawl. Yes, yes Battle Creek Brawl. He really, he really worked with me and helped me on that. That was the first time I learned how to skate when I did that movie. Oh wow! Nice, yeah. nice. And how was it working with Chuck on a, a Force of One? My, you know, I I, I did a, a little small scene with Chuck in a, a movie prior to that. Uh, the one but the truck uh, truck driver and uh, a, a biker trying to think of the name of it. But then the Force of One, well, I did with him and uh, at the karate school with. Uh, you want to take a look before I leave? So, yeah, so I did it, got young man working. <clears throat> so I did a scene uh, uh, there at the school. Uh, forgot the, the instructor's name at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, That's but, cool, uh, though. Yeah, wow. was an excellent movie to work. Chuck, Nard, uh, uh, Chuck and all the actors in that movie was extremely good. Extremely. I, I was the worst out of all of them, and God <laughs> allowed me to get through it. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, Force of One, that's another Chuck Norris favorite. But this one is really awesome. You had a chance to uh, work with Clint Eastwood on the gauntlet here. Yes, yes. We just did a couple of... The, the, the only credit I take in that one, the only credit I take is there's a punch where he punched into the camera and then they did it with the young man. That was a little little thing that I recommend to him. He did it, and it worked. And so that's that's about it. We spent time on, on some other stuff too in El Paso production at Warner Brothers Studios because that's where I worked with a lot of uh, film composer Jerry Feelings. I was with him for ten years, and he did most of uh, Clint Eastwood music for his movies. Nice, yeah, I love that cover inside Kung Fu Magazine. That's a great cover. That's amazing. That's right. Respect for the bishop doing his thing. Yeah, how cool is that? All right, now, now we have to uh, segue to, uh, to, to, to the film that helped start it all, as what Demetrius said earlier. Uh, this movie means so much to each one of us that are here. And uh, don't forget, you go to the Urban Action Showcase website in the description box below of this video. You can you got a shot, a chance to win a copy of Into the Dragon on 4K. So check out the link for more information. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, samurai guy, you know, I got to get us pumped up. Let's talk Into the Dragon, baby.
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you pumped up? I know nobody's sleeping watching this panel right now. <laughs> this panel of awesomeness. That's right. That's right. And uh, uh, Demetrius, again, uh, remind everyone what's going on in Times Square. Absolutely. Saturday, November 11th, AMC Theaters, Times Square. Uh, the Urban Action Showcase and Expo, 14-hour action and martial arts cinema megathon. Uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Into the Dragon with Bishop Donnie Williams and C. Joe Steve Muhammad to tell their story about uh, Into the Dragon and the BKF live and to, to celebrate with the fans. Uh, we're also celebrating the 40th anniversary of Revenge of the Ninja, 30th anniversary of Only the Strong, uh, 25th anniversary of Blade, and 25th anniversary of rush hour fire uh, along with all of the independent action uh uh filmmakers from the urban action showcase international action film festival uh we've got panels we've got seminars uh we've got contests we got a nunchuck contest for into the dragon as well as what? celebrating the 45th anniversary of game of death so you can win uh, merch and uh you can win um some other things with that but if you get a general mission uh, ticket, you will also be entered into the raffle to end uh, a box set, uh, the new box set for Enter the Dragon, the 4K actual box set, uh, collector's edition. Um, we're asking all the old school people from New York to wear their Kung Fu slippers and their Chinese jacket. That's right. They did like we used to do back in the day on 42nd Street, but um, yeah. <clears throat> like I said, I'm going to turn it over to uh, you and uh, Jeff right. and, and Samurai from here on out. There we go. Thank you, Demetrius. Yeah, we've got we to spread the word of awesomeness. That's right. Urban Action Showcase and Expo. It just keeps getting better every year, baby. That's right. So now, oh, before we get to my Samurai brother in arms, this is the scene. This scene right here. One of the most iconic scenes in martial arts film history. Man. Now I have to ask, uh, Sijo Mohammed, did did was was it Robert Klaus who approached you and, and Donnie about uh filming here in your school? It was I think it was Robert Klaus. And what what had happened with that is they called me one day and asked me, uh, told me about being in a movie with Bruce Lee and that uh they wanted me to play the part in which Jim Kelly got on the Oh wow. On the night in which we were getting ready to film, we didn't know Jim was coming, but he showed up. And when he showed up, he had the people with him to be able to speak for him. I had no one to speak for me. And so they asked me, um, Steve, are you in Screen Actors Guild? I had no idea what Screen Actors Guild was because I knew nothing about you know, acting or anything else. But uh, I told them no. And they tried to get it done, the scene that uh, Jim was doing. They tried to get that scene done that night, but they couldn't because the people that came down with him uh, that were here now and were waiting to do it at this time and not have to wait until tomorrow. They were going to try to get me in that deal, but uh, they couldn't do that. So oh, they got wow. another part in there, which was a part in which uh, uh, Bishop William and I but yes, I wish I would have been able to really do that part, but uh, wow. I'm able to do it. Wow. 
you know, I, I know it's not, you're not specifically talking about this, but I want to throw this in. Uh, at the time, uh, End of the Dragon was being uh, put together. Uh, my one of one of my students, uh, Sterling Selefont, was actually uh, Byung Yu's student. But Sterling Selefont, I saw training him, and Sterling was working with uh, uh, Hilliard. Uh, I mean um, Paul Heller, and 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 the producers of that movie. And he really wanted, because we talked about it, he wanted Muhammad to do the, uh, the, the, the part that Jim Kelly did. And if you, look, if you look at it, you may not realize, but Jim Kelly's name is William. That was written in during the time uh, was at the office there at Warner Brothers Studio. And the reason why I'm sharing it is to say this. The reason Muhammad did not get the part, I don't know if he qualified all the other, but the reason he didn't get the part is because he did not have a, uh, a Screen Actors Guild card, and Jim Kelly had one, and they wanted they decided to choose Jim Kelly. So I, I mean that happened. That's behind the scenes. Right. Uh, wow. So I just thought I'd share that with you too. Wow, I did not know that. That's a that's that's very interesting. But we all we all know if Sijul Muhammad uh, if it all worked out and he was in the movie playing Williams, Sijul Muhammad would have killed it. You would have killed it, my <laughs> friend. You would have killed it. That's yeah, right. You would have nailed Jim, it. Jim did a good job, but I thought Muhammad would do better. Jim, Jim did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Copy that. Uh, with this scene right here and filming the uh, this iconic scene for the film, Bishop, mm -hmm. uh, is this where you got your acting bug a little bit? I, I think so. I think that happened at that point because I was blessed after that to do 17, 17 films. So I think it was. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. See, a lot of first starts uh for this film and you know again a lot of people don't know of course hardcore people like us we know you know jeff especially knows you know before they were big stars there were so many people involved with this movie you yes. know yeah yes. you know lam ching ying was in here you and bu you and wa who uh ended up stunt doubling bruce lee for all the um acrobatics and the mm -hmm. flip kick and all that stuff and of course you guys know this guy Jackie Chan was even in this film. This, and this scene always cracks me up because it's just Bruce Lee breaking Jackie Chan's neck. It's always, it, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. It's like, Jackie, no, you know, but uh, yeah. And Sammo Hung, of course, a lot of firsts. Uh, but, uh, but this was uh, really important. It's an iconic scene. Everyone remembers it. And especially the scene afterwards where Jim Kelly beats the, the crap out of the racist cops which yeah. is which is still uh, the, the crowd still cheers for it uh, till this day because it another dragon was actually released uh for one day out here where i was so i went to see it with some friends of mine and my wife and the you know we loved it the audience loved it but you know jim kelly had you know he had to lay them lay them hands on them racist cops and it was hysterical the audience was laughing uh but it was an important scene as well as this it's nothing but a scene of iconic greatness but now I'm segueing out of here for some more awesome Into the Dragon questions from uh, David. I mean, for me, but David's going to take over and then Jeff. Go ahead, David. Sounds good. One thing I do want to point out real quick, and this relates to the Urban Action Showcase, which is going to be awesome. But Warrior Island, guys, uh, creator James Jefferson, uh, the creator and a lot of the stars in Warrior Island, amazing martial arts legends, uh, Ron Van Cleef, Stephen K. Hayes, 
uh, Silvio Simak, so many are going to be out there as well as myself, you know, promoting Warrior Island. So the premiere, first two episodes are going to be there at the Urban Action Showcase as if there wasn't enough awesomeness already. Uh, something a little extra. But, oh, a couple of questions uh, for C. Joe Muhammad and also Bishop Williams. Uh, did you ever think that Enter the Dragon would become the cultural phenomenon it is today? Because it's arguably the greatest martial arts film of all time. Like Bruce Lee was starting to come up, but this was like his first big budget production, like, like a co-production between Hollywood and Hong Kong. But did you guys ever think while filming it that this would just be like the martial arts film of all time? I had, uh, when they came to me and when they were going to involve Bruce because of Green Hornet, we knew that he was going to be very good in whatever movie they put him in because he was the type of person that had a personality that wanted to impress when he done something. So when it came time to do that, that's exactly what he did. It, it, it's, it's important to know that Bruce and I were actually friends. We, would, we didn't do a lot of stuff uh, among the, the public, but we did some training together, uh, just him and I. And he also told me, he says, I don't want a lot of people talking, so I want to have uh, our meetings and training together between you and I. And we did that. And also I had heard that uh, Bruce had asked to see if I could be in the movie Enter the Dragon uh, before we filmed it. And I was told that after they had filmed it, that he, and uh, there were people that was uh, they actually tried to get me in that movie. They just couldn't get it. Like Bishop Williams said that I didn't have a Screen Access Guild card. So I couldn't put in there until after I got that card. But uh, Bruce and I were very good friends and I did train with him. And I learned from him, but he also learned from me. And there, there are things that uh, uh, never came out. Like there were positions that uh, like the foot off the off the floor on uh, toes of my back foot, which gave me a spring type movement in the science of fighting. Bruce picked that up. Wow. He, he also picked up a rhythm that I had. And each, every race has a certain rhythm and a certain bone structure uh, that called for them to be able to do certain movements. It's like, if you really study the human body that I took karate from a Chinese person. You can he can be five thousand years old, and you can recognize him as a Chinese person because of his bone structure, and that is with all of us. And uh, as Bruce and I were training, he was finding out, and I was finding that when we tried to do the same movements, we done them different, and I could never purely emulate him or him. But I could take that information that he gives to me in trying to teach me and rearrange it to fit my body. And these are some of the things that we learned from each other. But Bruce was a, he was a strange guy. <laughs> because if he didn't like you, he, would, you know, he didn't want nothing to do with you. And we went 
out one time and we had a game that we played with people to make money. And we were out one time. And remember they had the game where Bruce could take a penny or a dime out of your hand. And uh, he would do that and he would bet $100 that he could do it. But he had it where I would put the $100 up, never him. Because <laughs> he would have to, you know, put his own money up. He'd be afraid that he would lose. But if you put my money up. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he would be able to do that every time. I had one where I would put three pennies on the top of my hand and I would flip them up and you know how you catch them. And uh, I worked on it until I could actually like when you toss it up, you toss it up like one, two, three. That meant that on the first one, I would catch it just by turning my hand over. The second one, I'd have to flip my hand over to catch it. But the third one, I could just open my hand again and let it drop into my hand. And people thought I was the fastest person. Man, you're almost as, they never said I was as fast as Bruce. You're almost as fast as Bruce. But we were actually making money. That's something that most people didn't know about. You know, and I'm proud to tell about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. Such a cool story. Uh, Bishop Williams, how do you think Enter the Dragon compares today compared to when it was released because for example i was born after it came out but it was such a big deal growing up so do you think the impact is even greater now 50 years later or was it bigger back in the 70s when it came out well i, I think it was bigger in the 70s when it came out but because of the death of bruce and so many people in the movie that is no longer with us it's becoming really a big thing. Remember, a lot of people always say, well, who could win, Chuck Norris or Bruce Lee? Who could win, this one or that one? But I don't know of any uh, commercial tournament that Bruce Lee entered and won. But yet he was a great martial artist. He was, he was just a great. So today, his the myth of Bruce Lee is greater than the reality of Bruce Lee. So. Today is big, but it was bigger when the film was made because I remember this story, I can tell you. I was in that film, I call it 3.2 seconds. Now I did a film with uh, uh, um, in Japan with, uh, uh, mm, can't remember his name again, but anyway, uh, well, also with Tadashi Yamashita. I did one with Tadashi Yamashita. I co-starred in the film in Japan. I went back, did another film in Japan called Zakarate 3. And with that, I did not receive any, but Enter the Dragon, the little boy knocked at my door and say, is your name Donnie Williams? I said, yes. He go look at his friends and say, see, I told you, I know Donnie Williams. He's in that movie, Enter the Dragon. And I did <laughs> Two other films co-starred, nobody knew about it. <laughs> 3.2 seconds, I'm a star. <laughs> so, so yes, it, it, it definitely did its part to make us uh, successful. But I had no idea that it would be as great as it is, even today, 50 years later. Mm. I have a, uh, a question, uh, C.J. Muhammad. So you talked about how you were training with Bruce Lee uh, which is very cool. And you, of course, competed in tournaments back in the day. 
Now, with what Bishop Williams says, you know, part of the myth of Bruce Lee is we just we really don't know how good or dominant he would have been in real fights or competition fights. But what's your opinion? Because, again, you fought, you know, all kinds of people, um, including Chuck Norris. So and then you train with Bruce. How do you think he would have done in those competitions back in the day? Uh, he wasn't that kind of fighter that is. Uh to do competition. Uh, he and I worked out together, but we weren't in competition with each other. But as far as fighting in tournaments, I don't know of any tournament that Bruce ever fought in. Uh, the, uh, the fighting signs that he used in uh, movies was not the fighting signs he did in the street. It was totally different. The movements in which he did in the streets to actually defend himself wasn't anything close to what he did in the movie. Mm -hmm. He did the movie. He set up those techniques to be able to show them in the manner in which he was doing those. But because I was able to move with him, he had what I call uncanny timing. He wasn't that fast, but in timing, there is speed in time now, but not the same speed as, you know, like shooting the hands real quick or something like that. He had timing in that kind of stuff. When he set something up, he set it up to be able to time it at a certain place and a certain time. So that's what he had, he was really good at. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you ask me if he could get a wood fight in absolutely he would. And he carried himself that way. Like I said, he didn't like you, he didn't have the you. He wouldn't even talk to you. But if you like you, he would. But I would say that uh, I've never seen him fight in the street. Um, but I did see him make movements and demonstrate to the people. And he was an excellent martial. And I would say he was a great fighter. He was not like us in making movements in real uh, time and fighting with other people. This fighting style changed movie to actually street, it changed a lot. And he was not as fluent, say, as he was in in movies as he was in, uh, in the street as he was in movies. Hmm. So there was a difference. Okay. Here's an interesting question related to demonstration. So what I try to do on my channel is really try to find out the truth about a lot of things. And I talked to multiple people. And you'd mentioned Chuck Sullivan was one of your instructors, and he's one guy that I interviewed. I also interviewed Grandmaster Vic Moore. And this question relates to the 1967 Long Beach Internationals because Vic Moore has his story and says not all of the footage was released during the, the speed test, that Vic actually blocked some of Bruce's strikes. And then he also got to throw his own strikes that Bruce could not block were and that's his story and he's sticking by it but chuck sullivan who said he was there watching the whole thing said that never happened so you were you were there in 1967 as well and some people you know wanted me to ask you and i'm, I'm glad i have the opportunity <laughs> with us both here so i have to uh ask you like what happened between bruce and vic moore well the part that chuck sullivan talked about and said he didn't that or didn't know anything about it, I didn't either. So the language in which he used at that time about what was happening between him and Bruce, 
what I did see, I may have been at a different angle than what uh, uh, Vic Moore was, uh, but I saw it where they were, uh, I was looking at them from the side view, uh, not from uh, whatever view he was talking And the way that it was set up, Bruce was at a distance where when he threw the, it was about eight or nine inches from his face. So uh, I couldn't see how Bruce could hit him from that range, even though it was extremely fast. So I didn't see him hit Victor Moore. I saw his hand come close to him. So if they had it set up that way, they had it set up that way. But uh, he was unable to block it from the distance in which it was from him. Did you see Vic Moore get his turn though? Like, was Vic Moore able? Because Vic says, "Okay, uh, you know, Bruce did his strikes, then I got to do mine." Like, did you actually witness that or not? I did not see that. Okay, very curious. Um, hey, speaking of hand speed, one of my viewers actually wanted me to ask you because it's been said that you have the ha fastest hands in karate, and uh, basically your speed method. You know, like, how did you develop that? Was there, like, specific drills you did, or? No. I think that some people naturally fast. Whatever they learn, if it has to take speed, they have that ability to generate that speed. I believe that. I, but over time, it was also the Bruce. Bruce had uncanny, uncanny timing. And also, speed determines distance. And I remember fighting one day, and this guy threw a punch at me, and I blocked early, and the punch hadn't got there yet, and the punch hit me in the face. And when it did, I turned away, and I looked over at Bishop William at the time, and he looked back at me and said, you didn't block that fool, because I'm thinking, why didn't I block that? And I, was, I guess I had the kind of face that was saying, why didn't I block that? Now, this has something to do with timing. It has something to do with an object either being fast or slow because of the distance that I thought it was. I blocked, I tried to block it at a distance that was farther away. What I found out later on was I saw the, the punch that came as it uh, actually started to move. Before I was seeing it close to my face, I saw it after it had moved a certain distance. That's why I had the timing for that movement. But once I saw it back away from me and thought it was in the same place, it appeared to be slower. Do you understand what I'm saying? The closer mm -hmm. it was when I blocked it, it was fast. The farther I saw it back coming at me, it appeared to be slower. And I didn't recognize it in the beginning. That's why I blocked at the same time that I saw it back instead of blocking it where it got closer. So I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. In other words, you have the ability to make movements appear slow depending on where you see them. And you recognize that ability is there. Because in a traffic accident, what happens? Everything appears to be slow mm -hmm. in a traffic accident. If that ability is there, 
you can develop that ability in the science of fighting by mm -hmm. seeing it at a farther distance rather than seeing it at a closer distance. Interesting. Uh, going back to Enter the Dragon, can you tell us a story behind Jim Kelly's character getting killed off due to John Saxon's agent? <laughs> I'm not Do you know anything about that? Oh, you mean when he died for real? Or are you talking well, about... Like in the movie, like his character initially Williams. wasn't Williams. supposed to get killed. Um, but then they changed like the script. Oh, <clears throat> I have no knowledge of that. Okay. Okay. You know about that, Preston. <laughs> well, I read up on it. And, and yeah. uh, everybody watching right now, let me know. Confirm it in chat right now. Uh, but apparently, uh, in the original script... Uh, it was supposed to be Roper was supposed to die. Uh, John Saxon's character was supposed to die, but not uh, not Williams, uh, played by Jim here. Uh, he was not supposed to die. He was actually supposed to end up uh, fighting at the end of the movie. He was supposed to face off against Bolo and all that. So at the at the last minute, <laughs> uh, John Saxon's agent that will probably most likely not want to be named, uh, you know, there was some shenanigans behind the scenes. I don't know if you guys knew that, but originally... Uh, Jim was supposed to make it to the end. Now, storyline-wise, it kind of makes a little sense uh, because they they were they're trying to subvert your expectations. And because Roper character, you know, the John Saxon character, Roper was kind of shady. And then at the end, he decides to kind of come out looking at the hero. He makes the right decision to not go fully with Mr. Han's character and go all evil with the drug trade and all that. So it kind of makes a little sense. But, I mean, let's be honest here. Us as martial arts fans... I think we all would have loved to have seen Jim Kelly <laughs> kick ass and take names uh, at the end of the film. Uh, I mean, if we couldn't, if we couldn't get, you know, Bruce Lee versus Bolo, I think we all wanted to see that. I'm sure you, David, really oh. would would have rather have seen <laughs> Bruce Lee versus Bolo Young than John Saxon. Uh, but it would have been epic. It would have been absolutely epic if uh, Williams did make it to the end of the film and be in it. But hey. Hey, you guys still could see that dream match and the tattoo connection. That's right. Jim Kelly and Bolo throw down in that film. So you get to see the dream match in a way, some way. Uh, but yeah, all of you watching right now, uh, let us know in chat if you've heard the same thing. But apparently, yeah, Jim was his character was supposed to be at the end of the film, which would have been epic. You know, as much as we love this movie and it's so inspirational and motivating and iconic, you know, come on, we. You know, we we want a little bit more. I think we would have enjoyed seeing Bruce or Jim fight uh, Bolo, but uh, yeah, uh, Bishop, you were away for a little bit. Did you did you hear anything about that? Uh, originally, the script uh, Jim Kelly's character was not supposed to die, and they changed it later. Did you hear anything about that? I heard about it, but I I can't bear witness to exactly the reason why. But yes, right. I heard about it uh, at the office when. Uh, I was there, so yeah, I did hear about the change. I heard, I, I, heard, I even heard about them uh, having a writer to, to uh, correct it or make it the way they wanted it. So, but my thing would have been I, I looked at it more racials at that time. I so I don't want to make it sound like you know I was yeah. a good guy to say, oh yeah, that it be. No, I saw it in a different manner, but it was my opinion, not facts. Right, gotcha. Copy that. Copy that. Copy that. But I want to say this about to you. What a great job you're doing on this editing. I've been watching your edits, and man, you're doing oh. you're awesome. I want you to know that you are awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Us. 
You got me pumped up. Us. I'm going to start throwing punches now. Donnie and Sifu, uh, uh, Muhammad and Bishop's got me pumped up. Hey, I'm so so honored to have you here, and that means a lot to me. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, yeah. But, David, that was, was some awesome questions, my friend, because we Thanks, know man. about that that hand speed from uh, <laughs> C. Joe Muhammad. You know what I'm saying? The flash, baby. The flash. Uh, any, did you have any other ones, or are we going to go straight? No, I'm Jeff? good. Thanks so much, uh, All right. Muhammad and Jeff, the floor. Yeah, the Jeff, the floor is yours, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Cesar Muhammad. Uh, Bishop Williams, thank you again for uh, taking some time to chat with us. Uh, let me start off with uh, something really uh, which might be controversial. We have a spirited chat room, so I'm, I'm sure they're going to get on on this. But uh, there have been talks, uh, even uh, as of uh, relatively recently, uh, of remaking Enter the Dragon. Uh, I know David Leach was attached to it for a while. Is that a good idea or not? My opinion, they'll never match it. They'll never be able to bring in uh, any star today that can even make it uh, a legend again. I, I think End of the Dragon is it. If if those actors were still here, they could do a part two, but that's about it. I don't think they can redo it, make it better. Well said. See, uh, see Joe, do you, Mohammed, do you agree with that? I agree with it. There will never be another movie like End of the Dragon. There you go. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you. I just wanted to get your take on it. We're getting uh, we're getting some uh, some comments from in the chat. So, um, but uh, I want to go back in time a, a little bit. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, uh, in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. So um, I was in the middle of uh, of the uh, the martial arts impact uh, uh, during the the times there. Everybody was kung fu fighting. That was the song, uh, top song for a reason. Um, I wanted to know uh, what uh, what it is about. Kung Fu films, martial arts, uh, Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee, uh, and all of that, that resonated so uh, much with young black men and, and urban youth in general. Uh, you know, you guys founded the, uh, the Black Karate Federation. What was it about martial arts that spoke to young black men and urban youth? I think it was actually, in the beginning, it was what you call Kung Fu, which was David Carradine. All of us used to look at that all the time, but because we were martial artists, we didn't think much of his uh, fighting science at that time. But when Bruce came along with, uh, uh, what's what was the name of the movie that he done? Not a movie, but it was a TV program, The Green Hornet. The Green Hornet, yeah. Yes. When he came up, that's when... I mean, I didn't know anyone in karate that wasn't watching Green Hornet. And the way that he done movements and stuff was very impressive because we had not, even the uh, uh, Japanese or Chinese movies, Bruce brought something in that was totally different than what we were seeing among them. There was no Jackie Chan and all of that they were. We didn't know anything about them at the time. We only knew about the Green Hornet and Bruce Lee. And from the way that he did the martial artists, we were all in, we enjoyed that. We loved the way that he done his movements and stuff. But yet we didn't see that same movement in uh, Japanese or Chinese movies unless they were using a sword or something. But the karate was quite different. Bruce brought something in that uh, uh, gave us excitement when they were fighting. And 
So I would say that uh, he changed the way the martial science or karate actually uh, played out in movies. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I, I concur and agree with uh, C. Joe, but just to add to that, in my community, the, the, the black community that I lived in after the end of the dragon came out, the, the whole thing was we would emulate, we would act like Bruce Lee, oh, oh, you know, we'd be walking around thinking that we, uh, uh, the black Bruce Lee, so it, just acting. And so I think that brought more attention to us being a part of karate by walking around and acting that way, you know, it's to me. And then when the BKF had students coming in to train, most of those students couldn't afford to train. Steve Muhammad was training them the classes of $25 uh, a month, but they couldn't even afford 25 cents a month, some of these students. So he, he would have, uh, y'all may not know this, but at one time we had over 17,000 members, registered members in the BKF all over. And we still have one of the largest BKF schools now in Africa. Is, where is it at in Africa? Uh, Muhammad, it, it's um, in yeah. It's in Kenya. In, in Kenya. So uh, the BKF, you know, it just it, it just blossomed. But I don't think the kids in my community got involved just because they wanted to uh, learn to fight. Because they it was able to fight. They just wanted to learn the martial arts. So they was acting like they knew it, and then it ended up training. That's that's my opinion of it. No, uh, that's a great opinion. And uh, uh, touching on that, I wanted to know uh, what you guys thought about um, martial arts training back in those days. Because back in those Kung Fu days, uh, there was a lot of garbage training options out there. I remember, you know, you could uh, sign up and be a ninja in like two weeks. So you could learn uh, Mystic Monkey Kung Fu or uh, or be the, the lizard style uh, in, in a couple of days. So um, what was your take on martial arts uh, instruction today? Uh, versus what it was like in, in your time. Well, that now you hit a so nerd, Mama. You better go first. So you hit a nerd there. <laughs> well, back in the day when we were coming up and we were teaching, we taught the student how to fight. We didn't teach him about tournament fighting and stuff like that. He had to be able to adapt to the tournament from what we taught you taught him, which is how to actually physically fight another person on the street. So when you got into the tournament, you had to adapt to being able to control and, and make movements that wouldn't hurt someone. But I would say the difference in that today is that the martial, from what I see in some of the tournaments, it has become a game, not a way of actually fighting, but it has become a game where you could flash something out that wouldn't knock down a fly and you can get a point for it, you know, or a kick or something of that type. So I would say they're much softer today than they were yesterday. We, in the beginning, we had no gloves, no kind of equipment at all. And we were punching full strength punches at each other. And when you got hit, like one day I was looking at, I was brown belt, I was becoming a black belt in about a week from that time. 
So I'm going to go watch the black belts to see how they fight. And this guy hit this guy in the mouth and knocked his teeth out. And he came over and he said, and he said, look at to the referee. He says, look at me. Uh, he knocked my teeth out. And the referee looked at him and said, you should have ducked. <laughs> Whoa, this is going to be different than brown belt. I'm going to have to deal with all these black belts that can really fight. So I learned then that this thing is real. Even though I was as a brown belt, and I understood it was real, but it got to be real, real as a black belt in fighting the guys that had been training much longer than I was training. Yeah. And, 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 and to add to that, when in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, you had to have some control because anything you can't control will hurt you. I don't care what it is, a car, a dog, a wife, a child, anything you cannot control will hurt you. Well, back when we was fighting, you had to have control and come close enough that they could see you could have hurt the person, but didn't hurt them. And so today, they don't, they, they throw a back knuckle and they, they throw it in New York and they get a point in California. You know, that, that, that don't work for me. I think the art should, it's a matter of control. Like Muhammad said, he didn't only teach you how to fight, but he would teach you when to fight. Because you don't, you don't get angry and just fight over any and everything. So today's martial art fighters, they're, they're more in competition, you know, uh, acrobats and gymnasts and but there are some good ones too now. I don't want to, I can't put down the good ones because uh, at my age, you know, these kids are really good and they can hurt you. But I'm saying, and as a whole, the guys don't have control. And if you don't have control, anything will hurt you. Martial arts, dancing, gymnasts, anything. So that's my opinion today. We had more control, but we did hurt some people though. Because I, I know I've heard a few and never a few have hurt me too. So, but that's gonna be my thoughts. That's a perfect segue to my next question then about control and about hurting people. Uh is today's MMA uh to the current generation what the kung fu uh films and all that was to those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s? What is your take on the MMA? I would say that the MMA, I did three uh full contact fighting when I was coming up uh, under Ed Parker. And the one that I I was doing okay and I was having a good time until I fought this Thai boxer. Mm. And when I fought this Thai boxer, I had no idea as to how hard they could actually kick. And when I got ready to check the kick, he hit, he kicked and I put my leg up and I, I couldn't believe that he could put that kind of pain on me by kicking me in the leg. You know, and I backed away and I actually looked over at Parker. He kind of hunched his shoulders and said, well. <laughs> and so I got back and then the fighting and I said, man, I got to get this guy out of here some kind of way. So I changed up everything. I start flinching and shifting around and shifting and he, he got ready to kick me again. And I stuck a, a front hand punch at him. And when I uh, did a front hand punch, I hit him and he leaned back and I hit him 
in the hot part of his chest, which was in the sternum area as he started to go down. When he went to his knee, I was supposed to stop, but I kicked him when, I, when he was down on his knee. And then when the referee yelled at me and said, foul, you know, I didn't care whether it was a foul or not. I just that guy to kick me. <laughs> kicked me before, but he couldn't come back. So they gave me the match. I went back into the back. I'm sitting there. came in. He said, uh, Steve, he said, how do you feel about winning? And uh, I was hurting so bad because he, that wasn't the only time that he had gotten to me with a kick. I was hurting so bad, I asked him, who won? I didn't even know I won <laughs> with this guy kicking me so hard. He said, Steve, you won. And I told him, I said, I don't think I want to do this anymore because you could already see the damage that could actually happen to you. Can you imagine the damage that has happened to the MMA fighters now? And in the near future, if you look at the boxers, they're going to be damaged even more than the boxers when they stop fighting. Uh, I think that MMA is, I don't know how to put it. I disagree with elbows and stuff like that, where, where you get them bone on bone. If it's just full content, I could understand that you have a chance to not be damaged as much as they're damaged. I see guys break their legs broken, you know, damaged in such a way where they can't come back anymore. I would not and did not condone that at all when I'm coming up. You can do it in a way which is, I think, kickboxing in itself was a better way of actually proving how good you could fight than the MMA. That is dangerous to me. And I would say, change it if you can. Well, my, my thoughts, I, I, I agree again with Muhammad, and, but my thoughts is based on the brutal beating that some people take. It's a brutal beating. Um, the sports part of it is when you fight, I don't, I don't really see it as martial arts, but I do see it as a mixed martial art, wrestling, judo, uh, grappling, karate, all mixed together. But as Muhammad said, it's brutal. It's just brutal. And and they stopped chicken fighting. They stopped dog fighting. Not because the dogs and the chickens didn't just compete, but it's brutal. And that's the only thing bothered with me about it is the brutal. I I used to watch it, and I don't watch it anymore. But it's very believe me, those guys are tough. So don't don't think I'm saying they can't whoop. No, those guys are tough. Those girls are tough, and they really are uh, technicians. They really are. But it's brutal. That's my opinion. And, and I mean, you guys have seen it all, so uh, I appreciate that. Uh, tell me then, uh, does the martial arts still resonate with urban youth today, or, or have they moved on to, to all kinds of other distractions? You know, I think that the children of the day is totally different from the children of yesterday. They're not. Uh, they stay in the house too much. They don't get out and do activities as we did in coming up. 
they're not very strong. The young men that are coming up now, uh, I would say, unless they have a certain type of father, is very feminine like. Uh, he has a thin body. And when I was coming up, I was always trying to build muscles like most children trying to build muscles back because the women like muscles. But today, it's not that way. Most of the time, a very thin, very gentle life. You know, and I have sons and none of my sons are that way because I made sure they weren't that way. So there's something going on right now that uh, they're not very strong or don't appear very strong unless you make them that way. But whatever way it is, there's something going on that uh, changed the way that the young men actually grew up back in the day. And that's disappointing. Yeah, I, I don't think martial art resonate with the minority kids today like it did. I don't think it has the same appeal that it had then. Uh, back in those days, it was cowboys and Indian. And from then it went from Bruce Lee uh, to uh, Clint Eastwood. But now who is the the stars of, you know, today? We, we did have Chuck Norris, but even his uh, fame is sort of dying out because it, it's just not there. And the blacks, uh, who is the black martial art representative today? Who, let me ask you, who is the world karate champion today? Who, who, who do you, could one of you tell me who's the world champion today? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. Do any of you guys know who's the champion today? Who's the world champion? in 2023. Not sure about that one. Okay, tell you, the man. reason, because the art is not there anymore. It's not there. Mm. What you guys doing is bringing back and making important, make it, making sure that the kids know that there was champions back in like C. Muhammad, Chuck Norris, uh, Jim Kelly, all th these were champions back in those days. And they, and they definitely uh, 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 prove themselves as champions. You know, uh, you're keeping their, their their vision and and their abilities alive. You go to the martial arts museum, uh, and you can see the champion, the Benicuetes. You know, yes. uh, all the guys that really proved themselves as fighters, and and as Muhammad say, as young men growing up. But now I don't know who the champion is. Everybody claimed to be a champion today. I've met some guys, oh yeah, I was, last year I won the world championship. Where, what was that world championship held at? You know, I so I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's there. Maybe Muhammad or one of you can clear it. But my opinion is the kids are not into the art as they used to be. And martial arts is a beautiful thing. It's an art. And it's beautiful, and yeah. yet it can be very dangerous. And shout out to uh, shows like the Urban Action Showcase and Expo that uh, highlight uh, films and, uh, and and shorts that uh, celebrate martial arts and action in film and entertainment. So, um, with that said, uh, my final question, and again, thank you, gentlemen, for uh, for being here. Uh, can the cultural impact of a film like Enter the Dragon ever be overstated? would say oh, it can I, 
That was one of the most magnificent martial science movies I have ever seen, even since that time. There has been none greater than Enter the Dragon. None. And thank God for you guys that's keeping that forefront that people can see. Nice, nice. Great questions, Jeff. Thank you so much. Did you have any more? I'm all set again. It's been an honor uh, speaking with gentlemen and uh, and sharing the stage with uh, with all you guys. So thank you for having me. Yes, yeah. I, I have one one final question. Sure, Demetrius. If you can put that photo up, I want to give the shout out to the BKF, everybody that was in that room, because in those days you guys didn't get credit on IMDb. So I'm trying to change that. So the only people that are on IMDb right now for those films are C. Joe, Steve, Muhammad, and Donnie Williams. But in that class, if you can go through there and name those students that's a part of the BKF so they can get some flowers uh, today, we would appreciate it. Yes, yes. Update that IMDb. That's right. Find out those names. Respect. Respect yeah, everyone, yeah. all those students uh, in that room. That's right. And this if, is... this you is could just name a few of them. Yeah, just a few it's of them. Big, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. That please do that. Please do that. One of the guys, one of the guys is J Lo, uh, Jerry Smith, J Lo, uh, Carl Scott. Um, I thought I saw. Uh, I'm trying. I, I'm not. I have to see the picture. But yeah, these all these guys was there, and they did not get. I'm not one ounce of credit, and paid no pay neither. So, but That's they right. were there. Yes, respect uh, all of them, T-Virus said there. There we go. Dick and Doctor is enjoying the stream. Everyone's having a blast here. But unfortunately, like all good things must end <laughs> once in a while, I can talk uh, to these grandmasters all day about martial arts. And I wish I wish I could take some of your classes. I wish I was out there close to your schools. I'd, I'd, be, I'd go in and take some classes. I would, for sure, if I was out there uh, and learn how to become a better person, better human being, and become a better martial artist. And that's what the BKF is all about, baby. That's right. Celebrating over 50 years of excellence. That's right. And uh, here's to more. Here's to many, 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 many more. And uh, before we wrap it up for today, uh, Sijo Muhammad, was anything you'd like to say to your followers? I would say that um, within the last, been taking karate now, been in the martial science, for about 60 some years now. During that 60 some years, I have created a fighting science. That fighting science is a mathematical fighting science that speaks a water language. And how I explain that is that a mathematical fighting science can be actualized 100% true, accurate, and precise using a water language has the ability to flow, shift, change, and create, which is adaptability. It also has the ability, water language, seek and conform. I use seeking as offense, conforming as, as uh, counter-offense. Water has no natural enemy, and mathematics can only be done 100% true, accurate, and precise. There is no almost close or near in mathematical fighting. It is either right or wrong, it's either true or false. And along with that, 
I teach the students the thought of losing, quitting, or having doubt does not exist. If there is doubt, there is no doubt. You will make or find another way. There's always, always, always another way. I think that some of the things that will help children, and particularly young children, be motivated for anything that is right. You go at it 100%. And I think that the martial science teaching it right will help that child go in the right direction. That is our job to do that for our children. Awesome. Amazing. Bishop, anything to say to your followers before we wrap it up for today? Yes, sir. First, I want to say thanks to the Urban Martial Arts uh, Action, uh, the magazine, the network, the, all of it, because this is going to bring people back to the knowledge of truth about the art. Because all I hear you guys reaching for is truth and also to make known what really happened. And I'm expecting, I, I, I pray that hundreds of people will show up on November the 11th and be a part of what is going to take place there among some of the greatest martial artists in the world. So that I want to say, but finally, I want to end with this, that truth, a lot of people ask the question, what is truth? Because I have a truth, you have a truth, there's another truth, what is truth? Truth never changed. If you do say or create anything and it changed, then it's not true. It may be true at that moment, but if it changed, it's, the Bible never changed. People will change it, but it never changed. The truth is whatever, if you have a tree, it's still a tree, no matter where you plant it. So the art, the urban uh, uh, action group, I love the fact now that I'm involved in the manner that I am, that you're doing what you're doing. To Muhammad, I want to say thank you for the, the years that you have given to the BKF. And I ask God to bless you with many, many more. And that's my heart. I love all of you guys. Thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity. I'm very thankful. Yes, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, but yeah, this was an amazing live stream. Thank all of you for watching. Y'all know what you need to do. Check all of the links. They're all in the description box below of this video, baby. That's right. Subscribe to the Viking Samurai. My the, the, my Samurai brother in arms. <laughs> Subscribe to David. And David, don't forget, uh, we got that Warrior Island panel uh, coming up soon. We're going to be for doing sure. that. Yeah, we're going to try to work that out so we can talk more movies. And Jeff, thank you so much for being here today yes yes subscribe to jeff follow the podcast that's right and follow demetrius angelo all the information including the urban action showcase and expo is in the description box below demetrius brother thank you so much again for helping to put this together thank you so much for being here and if you guys are new here thanks again for watching and hanging out with the old samurai guy and i can say oh i can call myself the old samurai guy because i'm older than david <laughs> so I can say I call myself that. Hey, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and uh, good luck, Hollywood. Good luck trying to remake uh, one of the greatest, or the greatest, some people may say the greatest martial arts films ever made. Good luck with that.
<laughs> Good luck. And you I can't do wanna, it. I want to throw this in. Angelo, thank you. My pleasure. I just want to say thanks, Angelo. My yeah. pleasure. Thank he's you. Both. A- He's the, he's the digital samurai. That's right. And Demetrius is the man. But thank you all so much. Follow everybody in the description box below. All the links are there. A lot more badassity to come to the channel. Keep kicking. Keep training. That's right. Keep watching martial arts movies. Support the genre. Let's keep it strong, baby. That's right. And I'll see you guys. Don't Everybody in this panel don't go anywhere. But I'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, guys. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much.